Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into AOA, Agriculture of America, here today. Great to have you with us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We have a busy show lined up for you. A lot to talk about. A lot of things going on in Washington, D.C. We're going to get into that coming up in segment two today. Randy Russell from the Russell Group will be joining us. Also, we'll talk with Kent Backus with the NCBA coming up here in segment three today. Kent Uh, Just returning from the Netherlands, he was over there for the World Meat Congress. We're going to learn more about that and have a conversation. And then coming up, we're going to talk with Ann Osborne uh, with the National Wheat Foundation. We're going to talk about the National Wheat Yield Contest and winners here for this year. We're going to talk to Ann coming up at the end of today's program. So a lot to get to here on AOA Today. Brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel and Cenex Roadmaster XL. Everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Well, let's kick things off, take a look at news headlines here on the show today and yesterday. Uh, I actually I missed the news uh, just by about five minutes or so. I could have asked Ryan Legrand about it on yesterday's program, but was an, unable to do so. So apologies about that, but we're still going to talk about it today. We have comments from Secretary Tom Vilsack, Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. USDA is providing $2.3 billion to help American producers maintain and develop markets for their commodities and use U.S. commodities to bolster international food aid. Vilsack says the funds will come from the Commodity Credit Corporation. We are today announcing the utilization of $2.3 billion from the last fiscal year's Commodity Credit Corporation resources. $1.3 million of this resource is going to be allocated to the Regional Agricultural Promotion Program with the goal of utilizing it to provide additional market development opportunities. Now, Vilsack goes on to say these funds will complement trade promotion programs that are already in place. We're looking to utilize these resources to continue to expand our efforts in terms of trade promotion in non-traditional markets. This will complement our existing trade promotion programs as we await Congress's action on both the budget and the farm bill. And, of course, waiting for the Farm Bill and many other things that we're going to talk about coming up in Segment 2 with Randy Russell today. But, again, uh, $1.3 billion is going to go to the Regional Agricultural Export Program and support for specialty crop industries to diversify their export markets. And the other $1 billion will go to help address global hunger. Now, many ag groups responding positively to the funds for market development. The American Soybean Association joined other groups in applauding the USDA's efforts to strengthen U.S. trade and food aid. USDA announced a total of $2.3 billion in funds going toward those efforts. ASA President Daryl Cates said in a statement, quote, having these funds to sufficiently support export promotion programs that address hunger are things ASA and soy growers have consistently championed, end quote. Jim Mulhern, president and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation, says, quote, if these funds are distributed to underfunded sectors like dairy, this will put us in a position to be more competitive globally, end quote. Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, says these new investments in foreign market development are very timely and much appreciated, end quote. So, again, USDA boosting investments in international trade, $2.3 billion being used from the Commodity Credit Corporation. And so uh, definitely things um, that we're going to watch to see how all this money is used here as we move forward. 
Well, gridlock in Washington, D.C., especially the House of Representatives, is not good for getting serious tasks accomplished. Rob LaRue, president of the National Farmers Union, says a new farm bill needs to get done. For farmers who are watching uh, Farm Bill, that clock is continuing to tick. We already have the initial deadline passed. There still remains at least a small chance that we could get a Farm Bill done yet this year. But if not, I think we then have to start looking very seriously at a long-term extension because next year is going to be really difficult. Now he talks about the possible ramifications of a long-term extension of the current Farm Bill. Any farm bill that we have, and that's why this next farm bill that we're currently hoping to get through sooner rather than later, has to be prepared for what might come. It has to be prepared for that uncertainty. That means we have to have a safety net in place. And again, that is the president of the National Farmers Union, Rob LaRue. Well, the Iowa Ag Department and the USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service have confirmed two positive cases of highly pathogenic avian influenza in the state. One of the sites is a commercial turkey flock and the other is a mixed species backyard flock. Both agencies remind commercial and backyard owners to prevent contact between their flocks and all wild birds. Now, sick birds or unusual deaths among birds must be reported to state and federal officials other indications may include lethargy or no appetite, decreasing egg production, soft, thin, shelled, or misshapen eggs, swelling in the head or eyelid area, difficulty breathing or coughing, sneezing, falling down, and diarrhea. Now, if a producer in any state suspects HPAI in a flock, they should contact their veterinarian immediately and their state ag department. The CDC says the recent viral detection in birds doesn't pose a public health concern and it's safe to eat poultry products. And the cases in Iowa following confirmed cases in Minnesota, South Dakota, and Utah. We've seen cases in the Canadian prairies confirmed as well here in recent weeks. And last year, Iowa was the hardest hit state with HPAI when we had that outbreak. And again, finding uh, two new positive cases reported in the state of Iowa. So continuing to watch the spread of HPAI here across the upper Midwest. USDA is also extending the application deadline for the milk loss program to Monday, October 30th. The agency wants to allow more time for eligible dairy farmers to apply for much-needed weather-related disaster recovery assistance. The program compensates dairy producers who dumped or removed milk without compensation from the commercial milk market in the years 2020, 2021, and 2022 because of qualifying weather events. Eligible causes of loss also include consequences of those weather events, such as power outages, impassable roads, and infrastructure losses. FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau says, quote, We recognize that MLP benefits are critical to the financial recovery of dairy operations, significantly impacted by weather-related disasters that inhibited their ability to deliver or store their milk, end quote. And he also goes on to say that, quote, we know that dairy farming is a 24-7, 365 day commitment and hope this MLP application deadline extension ensures that all dairy farmers in need of assistance will now have adequate time to apply for help, end quote. That's a look at news headlines here on AOA Today. And also uh, looking at weather, I know uh, harvest activity going to get slowed down here the next couple of days. We have rain showers uh, that are extending um, through parts of the plains and into the eastern Corn Belt. And the season's first winter storm impacting parts of the northern plains, mainly Montana and North Dakota. Could see some areas that pick up 6 to 10 inches here over the next couple of days across the northern plains. So just a reminder that the uh, 
calendar is ticking away and winter is right around the corner and so We'll be watching that weather closely. I know as of uh, this past Sunday, soybeans 76% harvested nationwide. Corn just over the 50% mark. So still have a ways to go with the corn crop. We'll have to see if uh, the weather slows us down and causes some challenges here as we're getting closer to turning the calendar to the month of November. All right, coming up next year on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Everyday products powered locally by your friends at Cenex. We're going to have a conversation with Randy Russell from the Russell Group and get an update on what's going on with the House Speaker fight and the impacts it's having on agriculture, appropriations, and more. We're going to talk about that coming up next here on AOA, Agriculture of America. Back with more right after this. So how's harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. Are you curious about biologicals for stronger crop health? You're not alone. At Terramax, they've seen more farmers just like you choosing to apply biologicals with increasing success. For more than 25 years, they've been harnessing the power of microbial inoculants to strengthen roots, improve soil health, and boost yields acre after acre. If you're ready to get a biological boost, turn to the experts at Terramax. Visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more about what microbial technology can do for your farm challenge it's not something you shy from it's a chance to up your game every day brings a new challenge but with the enhanced channel seed brand on your side you can rise to it with our top performing seed innovative digital tools and expanded agronomic support you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage your enhanced channel seed brand let's rise to the challenge learn more at channel.com rise read and follow pesticide label directions irm grain marketing and other stewardship practices Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end, but good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating, your kidneys could keep filtering, and your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. 
U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Setex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. We want to turn our attention to what is going on in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. There is plenty of news, plenty of drama happening in the House of Representatives. How is all of this impacting agriculture, the farm bill, and so much more? Here to have a conversation with us about all of that, Randy Russell with the Russell Group located there in Washington, D.C. Randy, it's great to have you on AOA today. I hope you're doing well. I am, Jesse. Great to see you and uh, look forward to our conversation together. Well, let's dive in. And um, just for starters, I know a lot of talk here uh, overnight into uh, Wednesday that uh, we're trying to find a speaker for the House of Representatives. We've gone through multiple candidates now. It sounds like Mike Johnson is the next one up, so to speak, uh, to take his speakership fight to the floor there's just a lot of turmoil going on though in the house of representatives and randy it feels like it's just paralyzing everything on capitol hill right now jesse you're right i mean we are now uh, i think mike johnson is number 13 on the hit parade here in terms of trying to find a uh, speaker of the house i have a feeling i uh, by the end of this week though we will get a speaker uh it seems to be that uh, mike johnson is gathering quite a bit of support I also think there's just a great growing frustration within the Republican caucus that this is a really bad time for there not to be a speaker with everything that's going on around the world. And there's just a lot of frustration that it's time for Republicans to get their act together and to pick a speaker. So it's tough to predict this, uh, but I just have a sneaking suspicion that by the end of the week, we, we will have a uh, speaker. Now, the problem is, Jesse, that if the rules don't change, uh, that speaker will be in the hot seat from the moment they grab the gavel. So I don't think we should live under any illusion this might be the end of it uh, because it still have the rule in the caucus that one member, as Matt Gates did, can call the question. And all it takes is five of them working together and we're right back in the soup. But hopefully we'll get a speaker and at least get through the end of the year and address things like the appropriations bill, the farm bill, and some of these other things I know you want to talk about. Yeah, and I know uh, government shutdown again, another deadline's yeah. going to be in front of us here in a few weeks. So to your point, it's a bad time to not have a speaker. And with so many things in front of us, I know I hear a lot from folks in rural America, and I think a lot of folks are just at the point. And I mean, whether it's agriculture or, or you know, the public as a whole, a lot of folks are sitting back wondering, can we govern effectively anymore and it, with all this turmoil it's really it's really made for an interesting situation and i think a lot of folks are upset at this point randy they are and and jesse you know going into this let's face it congress wasn't held in the highest esteem to begin with i think their approval rating was about 18 percent mm-hmm. and i i think certainly following this it's going to go south from there so this has not been a good look and I know the American public is frustrated by it, as many of us that work with the Congress every day are. But like I said, I am uh, uh, cautiously optimistic uh, that we'll get to the end of this week and have a new speaker. In fact, you know, you have to go back uh, 
Uh, I heard a statistic 1855. We actually went two months without a speaker. Mm. They went like 133 rounds to find a speaker. But if you add up the amount of time it took for Kevin McCarthy to go through his 15 rounds earlier in the year, and then the time we've spent the last three weeks trying to find a speaker, basically the Republicans will have lost a month out of their time of governing over just nine months messing around with who the speaker is going to be. So I, I just think that's a bad look for Republicans and it's bad for the country. Hopefully we can get a speaker here by the end of the week, because as we mentioned, there's a lot needs to get done. And I think first appropriations bills, ag appropriations, we got to get that done so that we can try and get a farm bill done. There's, there's a lot in front of us. Talk about what have you heard as far as once we can get a speaker and get things running again, where do we stand on appropriations and, and then the farm bill process? Well, let's start first with the appropriations, Jesse. You know, the House has had a very difficult time trying to pass the agriculture appropriations bill. They brought it up a couple of times and haven't been able to uh, get sufficient support to get it across the finish line. The Senate actually today is going to take up as part of a three uh, mini bus, as we call it. It's got a couple of other appropriation bills in it, but it does include funding for USDA and FDA. There's a series of amendments, but uh, I'm optimistic that they'll get it done in the Senate. But look, any way you slice it, you mentioned earlier on November 17th, we are rapidly three weeks, three and a half weeks away from that. Um, we're going to need to pass another continuing resolution to keep the government funded. I do not think we will have a government shutdown. Uh, and I think what Congress will ultimately end up doing is passing some kind of a continuing resolution into next year. So it gives them time to finish these appropriation bills, including the agriculture appropriations bill. Well, and hopefully if we can get the ag appropriations bill done, then we can turn our attention to try and get a new five-year five-year farm bill. And you know, I've talked with House Ag Chair G.T. Thompson. He's optimistic we can get something done. I know some folks on the Senate side are maybe not as optimistic and are everyone's at the point where th there's more – optimism for at least a one-year extension of the current farm bill if not longer so what's your thoughts on that overall farm bill process if we can get over the appropriations hump where do things stand with getting a new five-year farm bill done randy jesse we're gonna you know this is my ninth farm bill and everyone's different i mean given the political dynamics where we are with the farm economy who's in charge of the committees uh, but we are woefully, woefully behind in the process. I mean, here we sit uh, next week being the end of October, and we don't have a bill out of the House Ag Committee. We don't have a bill out of the Senate Ag Committee. So we clearly are going to have to have some extension by December 31st. And why do I say that? Well, Jesse, it's because if we don't pass a bill and sign it into law by the end of December, then we go back to what we call permanent law which is uh, the 1949 Act, Agricultural Adjustment Act, and the 1938 Act. And I just want to make it clear, I was not there when they passed those <laughs> two bills. But it, those are virtually impossible, Jesse, to implement. It would raise the dairy price support to 75 to 90 percent of parity. We go back to allotments for wheat and for cotton. It is inoperable. So it is absolutely necessary to pass some kind of an extension. And I think what you will see 
is that when they pass the continuing resolution to keep the government funded past the first of the year, they will add an extension of the farm bill up to one year uh, on that bill so that it will give Congress more time to finish it, hopefully, before we get into the silly season next year of uh, presidential uh, politics and election. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a great point is we're going to have that in front of us as well. Randy, when it, in terms of the farm bill, what's the biggest sticking point you're hearing on Capitol Hill right now? We know a lot of farmers, they want, you know, you know protect crop insurance. They want improvements to reference prices, things of that nature. In your mind, when you, when you talk with folks, what's the biggest sticking point? Or is it just a matter of we've just been running out of time to try and get all the T's crossed and I's dotted here? It, the biggest complication is, first of all, you got to start with the fact there's no new money. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, we are probably going to run a $2 trillion, trillion dollar deficit this year. We've got a total debt in this country of over $33 trillion. We're spending about $800 billion a year on the debt, in, the interest on the debt alone, $800 billion. So I think we ought to be just clear there's no new money to spend. So any new investments you're going to make, whether it's in reference prices or crop insurance or some may want a base update, those all have to be taken from some other program. And Jesse, that's where the rub comes. You've got two major pots of money where it makes up a vast majority of the spending of the farm bill. And most of it is in, as you know, nutrition of the one point five trillion dollar baseline over the next 10 years for the farm bill. 1.25 trillion is in nutrition, primarily SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly known as food stamps. And uh, Chairwoman Stabenow in the Senate from Michigan uh, has made it crystal clear she does not want to cut money from the nutrition budget. So right there, we have a bit of a rub because if you're G.T. Thompson, you mentioned him earlier from Pennsylvania, the chair of the of the House Ag Committee and also John Bozeman from Arkansas, mm -hmm. the ranking Republican. Many Republicans want to reinvest money back into Title I, the farm program, whether it's reference prices or other items. Those are big ticket costs, Jesse. To raise reference prices 10%, the Congressional Budget Office says that's going to cost $25 billion. So that's the rub and that stalemate continues today. And that's part of the reason we're going to need an extension into next year. Great thoughts, and we appreciate the time with us here today. We'll have to get you back on the program again soon. Randy Russell with the Russell Group. Thanks for joining us on AOA today. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Jesse. Have a great day. We'll be back with more on AOA brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel and Cenex Roadmaster XL on the way right after this. When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. 
Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains and oil seeds are lower this morning, save for the bean oil. The wheats are down anywhere from four to eight cents. Corn is down a couple of pennies. Soybeans are the loss leader this morning, as well as soybean meal. Now, soy meal prices, they surged to their highest level since early August overnight. The recent rise in prices is reflecting solid domestic demand combined with strong exports following a short soybean crop in Argentina this year. Rising soybean prices, however, also start to draw more dried distiller grains and solubles into feed rations. That's supporting ethanol margins while softening demand for meal. This comes as new soybean crush capacity comes online, increasing the supply of meal. Soybean traders are also keeping their eye on much-needed rains expected to reach dry areas of center-west Brazil over the next several days that could have a significant impact on the longer-term projections for Brazil's crops going forward. Now, over in the Black Sea region, Ukraine wheat and corn production will rise in 23-24. That's according to USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service. Wheat output in the war-torn nation is projected at 22.2 million metric tons. That's up 4% year-over-year. Corn production is forecast at 30.7 million metric tons in the current marketing year. That's up 17% annually and similar to the 21-22 crop. Exports, meanwhile, will be lower due to the risk of shipping through the Black Sea. That's the most efficient mode to transport egg products out of Ukraine. Corn shipments are expected to be 24.7 million metric tons. That's an 8% decrease year over year. And wheat exports are forecast to be 10.5 million tons. That's a 39% drop. Stock futures are also under pressure this morning. The VIX is trading near 19 today. While the dollar index is firming up, yields on 10-year treasuries are trading near 4.88%, while yields on two-year treasuries are trading near 5.08%. And crude oil prices are off 10 to 20 cents currently. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA here today. Thanks for sticking with us on the program. Brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. A diesel that does it. Mess around. Everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Find your nearest Cenex location very easily online. Just go to Cenex.com. Well, right now, uh, we want to talk about the World Meat Congress. That's one of the things we want to discuss here today with Kent Backus. He is with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And Kent, thanks so much uh, for joining us on AOA today. I hope you're doing well. 
No, it's good to be with you again. Well, thanks for joining us here. And I know you just got back from the Netherlands at the World Meat Congress. And uh, congrats to you. You were elected to the Executive Council as well. And you're now the Global Beef Committee Chairman. So uh, hats off to you for that. Talk about the uh, World Meat Congress for us a little bit. Uh, thank you very much. And, you know, uh, the World Meat Congress, is, is this is the biannual meeting of the international meat secretariat and that's a very fancy way of saying this is this is you know basically like the united nations of meat this is a uh, a global association uh, that uh, represents uh, you know cattle producers pork producers and lamb producers from all over the the world and we come together and try to you know find uh, areas where we can we can work together where we can align on some key issues uh, so it gave us a chance to engage with producers from Europe, from South America, from Asia, the Middle East, uh, Africa, all parts of the world, and really uh, talk about some of the broader global issues like trade, uh, like animal health, some of the major uh, animal diseases that are moving uh, across the world and how uh, you know, different uh, things we can do to, uh, to limit that. We talked a lot about uh, kind of the rise of some other key issues like animal welfare mm -hmm. and how, you know, some markets are trying to force that on, uh, on consumers. Uh, and then we also spent a lot of time talking about new technologies and some of the other growing threats to uh, our industry, like cell culture protein. So uh, it was a, it was a good chance to talk about uh, a lot of things, including sustainability and climate metrics and, and uh, really dig into the, the weeds and, and get into the science behind a lot of these proposals that are out there. So it was, it was time well spent, but I think if anything, it also taught us a lot of lessons of, of what to keep an eye out for some of these issues that are emerging in other countries and, and mm -hmm. potentially preventing that from coming to our shores. And that's a great point you make. And I was going to say, I mean, I'd have to think plenty of similar challenges between, you know, producers here in the U.S. and producers, say, in Europe or South America or other, you know, countries around the globe but yet differences as well and and being able to learn about some of the problems that you know other folks might be facing around the world i think that just has to be so so valuable kent it's really eye-opening to see let's look at europe for example you know this is uh used to be europe was the the biggest exporter of agricultural commodities in the world uh, the United States, uh, we surpassed them a couple of decades ago, and a lot of that has to do with just the bad agricultural policies that are in place in the EU. And to top it all off, they have the Green Deal, which is driving every agenda within the European Union. Uh, it is literally uh, making it very difficult for their uh, their farmers to uh, to meet their standards. They're trying to in their own words, uh, in the European Union's own words, trying to address you know food security issues, but also penalizing livestock producers for uh, animal-based protein. They're trying to push people towards a plant-based diet. They think that's going to solve all the climate concerns, uh, but they're also making it very difficult for these same producers to have access to any credit uh, because they don't meet these standards already. So it's a it's it's led to a lot of consolidation. In their sector and it uh you know it's really eye-opening to see that uh you know if we're not careful and if we don't continue to engage and advocate for all of the positive benefits that we know uh you know livestock production brings not only to the economy but to the kitchen table 
that we could very well be in the in the same position as these European producers just in, in the next few years. So if anything, I think it was encouraging to us, uh, really uh, eye-opening to see what could happen if we don't engage. Definitely, definitely. Kent Backus, Executive Director of Government Affairs with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, joining us today here on AOA. Kent, I want to ask you about a few other things as well. Um, I know here a few weeks ago, the Agricultural Security Risk Review Act, I know that's something that NCBA is backing that legislation. Could you uh, maybe just tell us a little bit more uh, about that piece of legislation? Absolutely. I think, you know, when you look at the rise of foreign investment in the United States, uh, some of it's good and some of it should raise eyebrows. And I think the, uh, the big concern that we've always had in agriculture is that we don't have a seat at the table. Uh, when you look at the uh, Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, commonly known as CFIUS, uh, you know, agriculture was only brought in as needed. And that decision was made either by the Treasury Secretary or the President. And so when you have these large acquisitions of, of companies or land in U.S. agriculture, but you don't have an agricultural expert at the table, that creates vulnerabilities for one of our basic needs, uh, you know, which is you know, food and fiber. Uh, so, I, you know, we've supported this legislation because it would create a, a permanent position. It would add the, the Secretary of Agriculture to that decision-making body. Uh, to offer not only the insight on agricultural purchases, but also provide insight on how all of these other investments can affect rural America. You have no other representatives at the table that have that level of expertise. So having the Secretary of Agriculture there, uh, it really uh, goes a long way to show that you know rural communities, uh, rural uh, U.S. citizens will have a voice in this and that their interests are protected. Well, and we think about it, and we, we're hearing a lot about the foreign investment in agriculture and uh, a lot of you know talk about Chinese farmland purchases and more. And just uh, to your point, having a seat at the table for agriculture permanently with CFIUS, um, it, it's so important, and it's important for folks in rural America to realize the need for that, Kent. Yeah, and I think you know, it also just goes to show that the United States is still the best market to invest in mm -hmm. because we have, you know, such a productive economy and we have rule of law, two very important factors in a successful, uh, you know, uh, productive economy. That means that you have a lot of other people that have seen that. They're like, you know what? I want to be on a winning team. I want to be part of this because I know that's a safe bet for me. That's going to be a great return on my investment. And for some of those folks, yes, they're welcome here. You know, we, you know, that, that, that always uh, adds a bit of a benefit of, of ha and, and keeps us competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, there are some people that, you know, we do need to review. We've got a lot of concerns, especially when, you know, they're from countries that are not aligned with our views and our morals uh, and where we have, you know, broader uh, you know, disputes on the global stage. Very, very true. Kent, I should ask as well, I know it's the hot topic, uh, wondering what your thoughts are and perspective on the mood on Capitol Hill. We're trying to find a Speaker of the House of Representatives so we can you know, have movement on things like appropriations and a farm bill and uh, different uh, pieces of legislation. It now sounds like Representative Mike Johnson from Louisiana is the, the next one up to try and win the speakership. What's the latest you're hearing? What is kind of the mood on uh, Capitol Hill right now? Well, you know, I think the, 
the never-ending game of musical chairs here has been a, uh, a frustrating ordeal for uh, you know a lot of Americans. And you know, I I think it's I think you know uh, Mike Johnson definitely has some growing support. Uh, we've seen that with some other folks, but I think there are some deeper uh, discussions within the Republican Party that they're going to have to figure out. You know, uh, what you know when they can actually uh, re-engage and, and start to lead. Um, it's this makes it very difficult because the House cannot cannot officially you know conduct business until a speaker is confirmed. So here we are, a couple of weeks from the shutdown. We still have farm bill issues that we have to address. We have a lot of other major policies, uh, including a lot of disturbances in other parts of the world that you know, uh, need some attention. Mm-hmm. And none of that can happen until we first get the House in order. So it's frustrating. To be perfectly honest. Uh, the fact that you know, we just cannot seem to uh, see any further progress in the House. Uh, hopefully that'll change in the near future, but you know, I think a lot of people are just uh, are really trying to figure out how do we navigate in a system uh, that is essentially broken for them. Yeah. And uh, hopefully that'll change, uh, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I think you uh, you echo what a lot of folks are uh, here are saying in uh, across the country, and just wondering if we can govern effectively anymore, at least in the House of Representatives and some of those divisions. I know it's just putting a stranglehold not just on agriculture related uh, items, but really on, on so so many things, Kent. So I, I think you uh, you hit it on the head there. I think a lot of folks are just frustrated at this point. And, and you know, we having a representative government. That's exactly why we need to engage. Uh, we, we have to educate members of Congress on how all of these issues uh, affect us at home uh, because you know, all politics is local. Until you know, they, uh, they hear from, from us, uh, you know, they're, they're not necessarily going to make any waves. Uh, I've, always, I've always thought that you know, the best way to, uh, best way to motivate some of these members of Congress is to remind them who they answer to, and uh, that they're there to represent you know, uh, your interests and not their own. And uh, so, uh, it's it's time for people to hold uh, their elected officials accountable. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that we need to address. We've got a massive uh, spending problem in Washington, mm-hmm. and we're going to have big revenue issues that we're going to have to to take on in the next year. Think about it. Most of the tax relief enjoy expires in 2025 so we don't get to work on this soon then you've got issues like death tax that are creeping around the corner and you've got no option so uh, i would encourage i would encourage folks to get involved uh a lot of things for sure kent Uh, we're out of time unfortunately kent back us with the ncba we'll be back with more on aoa right after this You've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations 
solutions to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Our connections make powerful things happen. Uniting individuals and communities. We are Rotary. We are people of action. And together, we turn great ideas into reality by accessing our networks, our experience, and the best of ourselves to make a difference. Around the world, Rotary brings leaders together to build new friendships and to solve problems. Like in Austria, where generations work side by side to build sustainable housing and community centers. In India, volunteers run a mobile blood bank to help provide a steady blood supply for their local community. And in Taiwan, people are working hard to get vulnerable citizens the support and services they need. With over one million members, we know what people can do when they come together. Take action with us. Find out more at rotary.org slash action. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. Corn is native to the American continents and was unknown to the rest of humanity until Columbus arrived in the New World in the 15th century. It took less than 100 years after Columbus's discovery for corn to be introduced to farmers in Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Pacific Islands. After wheat and rice, corn is the third most cultivated crop in the world. The four nations that purchase the most corn from the United States are Mexico and Colombia, who use it as a food ingredient, and Japan and South Korea, who buy it mainly for animal feed. Around one-third of the corn grown in the United States is eaten by livestock, another third is used in the production of ethanol fuel, and the rest is either consumed by humans, exported to other nations, or used industrially. Now that's sweet corn, that's the variety that most Americans grill or boil for cookouts or just eat straight out of a can with a spoon, accounts for just 1% of all corn grown in the United States. These Farm Facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. 
Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. information America's farmers and ranchers need, AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA here today as we continue on the program. Thanks uh, to Kent Backus with the National Cannabis Beef Association for joining us here on the show today and uh, apologize to Kent. Had to cut him off there. We were hitting up against the commercial break, uh, but we do appreciate a lot of things uh, going on, of course, in Washington, D.C. that we are going to be watching closely here, and uh, we'll have updates as we get them here for you on AOA, and especially things that have a direct impact on agriculture. Well, I know we're working to uh, connect with Ann Osborne. She's the project manager for the National Wheat Foundation, so Hoping we can uh, get connected with her here uh, yet on today's show to talk about the National Wheat Yield Contest as they've announced the achievements of their 24 national winners hailing from 12 different states who have achieved an average yield of 144 bushels per acre across all categories. And really, really great stuff here. And I know that uh, this is just uh, this is something this contest has been happening for quite a long time now, and it's uh fantastic to hear about all of these winners and more and we're going to talk uh, a little more about it and get perspective right now from ann osborne again she is the project manager for the national wheat foundation and ann thanks so much for joining us on aoa today i hope you're doing well good morning thanks for having me well, Ann, let's uh, talk about this again. Of course, the uh, National Wheat Yield Contest, the 2023 winners, and I was just kind of talking about it a little bit. 24 national winners hailing from 12 different states. Uh, talk a little bit about this year's winners. It sounds like some pretty impressive yields and always uh, great to hear about this contest. Yes, thanks so much. Yeah, we did. We had a really good contest this year, very competitive. Um, you know, some different states showed up, like in the winter wheat dry land, a lot of the eastern states had really good yields with their soft red winter wheat. So we had um, several winners from states that we might not always have a national winner from, for example, a Virginia winner. And we've had a Maryland winner who's been a past winner. And then we had the two bin busters in the winter wheat dry land course from Oregon. So um, that would be soft white winter wheat. So we had a different um, different states involved, and that's mainly because of the uh, Central Plains drought. You know, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas were really experiencing drought, and so the entries from those areas were were down quite a bit. But these other areas stepped up, and so we had a real good competitive contest. Yeah, very, very competitive stuff. And uh, you know, you mentioned that drought, and I know, of course, that had an impact uh, here the last uh, couple of growing seasons. We've seen that drought have impact. Uh, what about the spring wheat side? I know we had winners in that category, too. We had, obviously, the, the different categories, winter wheat, spring wheat. Talk about some of the spring wheat winners for us. Yeah, the spring wheat winners, um, the yields were very good, and we, we usually get quite a few of those from North Dakota. We have Minnesota, Idaho also represented, and, and then in the irrigated, we have an Oregon winner. 
Um, again, with the hot and dry, or, you know, hot and dry summer, I wasn't sure what we would get for entries and yields. But the spring wheat, um, where where they got the rains, you know, some some of the rain showers were just just kind of hit and miss. But those fields that got rain did very well, and we had a really good turnout with the spring wheat um, also. Well, and I know the the beauty of this contest is that you know not only are we looking for high yields, but also just the importance on quality, and and I think that speaks to just the overall quality that wheat growers across the entire U.S. Uh, have when they plant their crop each year, and that continued growth and uh, changes, and and just trying to push the push the envelope forward, so to speak, and keep that high quality wheat growing here across the country. Right, Ann. Right. Yeah, that's what's also really fun. You know, wheat is a food crop and our customers expect um, the quality to be consistent and to be high. And so that's where we have those winners, the 24 national winners will send in a wheat sample and then we'll be analyzing it, not only for grain quality, like farmers are used to hearing um, protein and falling numbers and test weight, but we're going to analyze it for the flower qualities and we're going to analyze the dough properties and then an end use end product like a loaf of bread with the hard wheat, and we're going to do a um, sugar cookie and a sponge cake with the soft wheat. Yeah, just so many uh, amazing things that happen. We're talking with Ann Osborne here the uh, with the National Wheat Foundation Project Manager and the National Wheat Yield Contest winners. And, and I know if folks want to uh, see the list of the winners, congratulate them. Uh, I know they could do that online, and then also the winners are going to get a trip to uh, Commodity Classic coming up in February, I believe, right? Right. Yeah, we do our winners reception at the Commodity Classic, so that this year will be in Houston on February 28th, and then that's a real fun night. And our partners um, and the winners and other wheat growers, uh, people that have entered in this in the contest, are invited to join us for that reception. So the wheat gr- we have a lot of wheat growers and partners, and we just visit, and it's a really fun night. And if they want to learn more or see the list, they should go to wheatfoundation.org, and then they can go to the yield contest section there, wheatfoundation.org. And um, and I would encourage everybody to, you know, enter the contest. So we do have winners in um, percent increase over their county average. Mm-hmm. So that's where we don't just expect you to come from the highest producing counties in the country to win this contest. You can be involved in the contest even if you're you know, county averages in the 30s. And I know, obviously, we're talking about the winners for this year, but folks, uh, as you alluded to, encourage them to take part in the National Wheat Yield Contest as we get into next year, and I'm sure more information is or will be available on next year's contest uh, here uh, in the coming months ahead, won't it, Ann? Right, that's exactly right. It'll be open for entries about March 1st, or right at the Commodity Classic is what we're hoping for. So February 28th, March 1st, that's what we will uh, open for the 24 contest. So hopefully yeah. a lot of that wheat's already in the ground and getting some good moisture, and we're you know, looking at uh, all the things that we want to do to make sure we get that high-yield, high-quality crop. We most certainly do. And again, you can see that list of winners and learn more online, wheatfoundation.org, and a lot of uh, tremendous partners help make that happen as well. And you can see that full list and much more again online, wheatfoundation.org. With that, Ann Osborne with the uh, National Wheat Foundation Project Manager. And thanks so much for joining us here on AOA today. We appreciate uh, a little bit of time talking about this year's uh, National Wheat Yield Contest winners. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
And that is going to do it for the show here today. We are out of time on AOA Agriculture of America. Brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. Coming up tomorrow, we'll talk with Rich Gebert Jr., president of the Illinois Farm Bureau, and talk markets with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Turning to biologicals for improved plant nutrition and nitrogen fixing may feel novel to a lot of farmers, but it's a proven method for decades. Nobody knows this better than Terramax, a leading innovator of biological inoculants for more than 25 years. Their strong roots in microbial technology means they know what it takes to deliver stronger roots for crops acre after acre. When you decide to boost your yield with biologicals, turn to Terramax. Then visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles, and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill, or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more.